0: This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked me not to read an ad, so I'm just going to thank them for their constant friendship and support. Enjoy the show. Out! Out! Welcome to MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guests today are from the Otherworld Theatre Company, Elliot Sowards, Dylan Schaefer, and returning guest, Mary Kate Arnold. And they came to talk to me about their mutual love of William Shakespeare, the Bard. Really, really enjoyed this conversation. Got to talk to them a lot about the adaptation of Much Ado About Nothing that they're doing right now. At Mary's Attic runs through February 28th on Thursdays through Sundays. You can go to their website at otherworldtheater.org for more details. They talk more about what the show is and times and Etc., um, here in. So I will let them speak for themselves. But man, it sounds really cool. I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to see it. Um, and I think they are just very self aware and on top of uh, what makes for a good show, uh, where Shakespeare is concerned, what kinds of things should go into prepping for it um, in terms of. Uh, knowing what you're saying as an actor in terms of knowing the type of audience that you're trying to um, appeal to. And uh, it was really interesting to hear all their thoughts on that. And uh, along with their you know life experiences where Shakespeare is concerned, what got them into it, I made them all go through and name a Shakespeare play that they loved, liked, Hated and hate that they liked. Uh, So look forward to that towards the end. And I want to apologize to them and to the listener for Up Top um, not knowing what their show was an adaptation of nor what it was called. That was bad prep on my part. And I'm a silly, I'm just a little silly girl. Um, But I think that I recovered and we had a great time talking through all of what we covered for where Shakespeare was concerned um, if you like this I would strongly encourage you to check out some of the other Chicago podcast co-op shows including Right Club which is literature as blood sport which I think is uh, appropriate for Shakespeare here two opposing writers, two opposing ideas each fighting for deathless glory it's hosted by Polar Opposites Ian Belknap and Lindsay Moscato uh, if you like this show or Write Club or anything else that you happen to listen to in the Chicago Podcast Co-op, go on iTunes, give them a star rating, leave a review, find their Twitter page, send them a, you know, hey, this is great, thanks for making it. It goes so far, you have no idea. Um, these conversations that I get to have with my guests are amazing, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but... It can often feel like you're doing it in a vacuum. And when there are actually people listening, it's cool to know that. Um, So let other people know that this is a thing that you like. um, Support small theater and art and podcasting in the Chicago area by um, listening and going out to these shows. If you want to go out to any shows that I'm involved in in the near future, you can check out... Ask your doctor, and it's last week at the Annoyance, 8 o'clock, February 11th, must close. Um, That's a a pharmaceutical musical. If you can't make that, 9.30 every Thursday night at the Annoyance Theater. I host a show with my team that we like to call The Fishbowl. Come throw a student ID or any ID into a fishbowl. Get a chance to play with some Annoyance teachers and performers And uh, our next Nerdlogs Your Stories event is the third Sunday of the month on the 21st. That is at the Offices of Cards Against Humanity, 1917 North Elston. Let us know. You're going to come by. Our theme for the month is Fan Fiction February. So if you have any fan fiction or any stories about fan fiction, come share that with us. It's just all about telling stories, man. That's what Billy knew. That's what he taught us. I think uh, this was a great conversation. Can't wait to share it with you. Thank you so much for listening. That's today, when I suggested that <laughs> um, that was know. like after this, I
1: only watch it when I'm
2: invited to a Super Bowl party, which I was not this year. Yeah, so. I feel like everybody's at least at a party where nobody watches the game, but they talk and they eat like shitty. I like
3: the eating aspect,
2: food, which is good. The last, good, the last one I went you. to was when Bennett hosted his Super Bowl party, and there was the earthquake. You remember that? Yes. Was, would his would you, whole house started shaking? Would you? you Oh, yeah. Did you go? Yeah. We were up in his attic or, like, his you know upstairs room, and, like, the room was, like, swaying back and forth for, like, 30 seconds, and then I was, like, I thought that was just people moving down, like, downstairs and <laughs> shaking the house, but, like, then, like, three other people were, like, no, like, the house has been moving for, like, 30 seconds. I was, like, okay, we just were in an earthquake. In Chicago? Yeah. There's been a few of them, actually, yeah.
0: Weird. I feel like I've lived here when one happened, but, like, didn't notice that it happened. Maybe it was that <laughs> one.
2: Maybe. I'm from Kansas, and... um they started to have all these earthquakes in Kansas and Oklahoma because of the fracking. Oh, uh, uh, I
0: heard about this.
2: There's probably been some residual stuff up here since we're all kind of in the same area. We're along the same Which fault probably, lines. Um, yeah.
0: Yikes. Uh, we got to get that sweet, sweet oil, though, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <gotta> drill, baby, <laughs> drill is what I said. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Sarah. <laughs> um, okay. I. Have started recording, so the first thing I'm going to get you guys to do uh, is first of all, let me say I have some guests today from the Otherworld Theater Company, and they're going to be talking to me about their love of Shakespeare, the of the William variety, because uh, they're currently doing their own take on Measure for Measure. Much ado, right? much ado. I already Same fucked thing. it Lots up. Of M's, like I that. knew that the title <laughs> of the show wasn't. Much Ado About Nothing.
3: Another M, it's Messina 3004.
0: Messina 3004. See, so I told you guys that you didn't have to do any prep, and obviously I didn't yeah. do mine very well. <laughs> um, if I can get you to, like, kind of go around the table here, and we'll start with Mary-Kate, um, and just introduce yourself, and he gave me a good, like, backstory on, or at least a little bit of one on, like, your involvement with Otherworld, so why don't we go ahead and do that just so everyone has a little bit of context. Uh, But yeah, introduce yourself so everyone knows who's talking when they talk later on in the show, and uh, then we'll go on from there.
3: Great. Uh, Hi, my name is Mary-Kate Arnold, and I am the managing director of Otherworld Theater and an ensemble acting member.
0: And you may remember Mary-Kate from a wonderful episode about vampires that she did with more gale And we all just had
1: a a grand old
0: time. Rollicking good times. Rollicking good (laughs) times. So good that she was willing to come back. So that's awesome.
1: Uh, My name is Dylan Schaefer. I'm a founding board member of Otherworld and currently Otherworld's director of development. Um, And hello.
2: (laughs) Yeah, That's good. (laughs) Sufficient. I'm Elliot Sowards. I am the literary manager of Otherworld Theater and an acting ensemble member. I am playing Claudio in Messina 3004.
0: And Mary-Kate, you're directing,
2: correct? Yes.
3: Um, our artistic director, Tiffany Keane is planning her nuptials, so uh-huh. I agreed to do this directing. Sounds so serious. I it's know, almost nu- her like there's the someone
0: pace. here who's directly affected I by know. said nuptials. Yeah, and even though she didn't
1: direct because we're getting married, I m- managed to somehow be in it, so... I was gonna... You know, <laughs> you know that's... Uh, <laughs> Uh, the whole you're point just kind window of dressing. <laughs> <in this laughs> whole the thing. point
0: was to like take some <laughs> of the them. onus off of the of her, and you just threw yourself into the fray, huh? I'm well. sorry,
3: though. I mean, if the role of Dogberry comes up and you're available, I don't know what either of you expected.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it needed to happen. Yeah.
0: Uh, what would you all say uh individually?
1: Is the origin of your love for Shakespeare? I think our resident Shakespeare expert, Mary-Kate Arnold, should start. <laughs> Love
3: it. Okay. Um, I. This is such a cliche story. Um, just back in high school, I was really um, interested in arts and theater, and I went and I saw just the most beautiful production of Romeo and Juliet <laughs> at some like local community college. They staged it in an old, abandoned church. It was majestical is the only word I can <laughs> use to describe it, and I understood everything mm-hmm. for the first time. Um, that's pretty
0: huge. It was. Where huge. Is Yeah, say.
3: I think with Shakespeare, you know, clarity of text is so important. And I just, I fell in love with it from there.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Uh, that was also my first, I think it's most people's first Shakespeare yeah. play that they're ever uh, introduced to. Because it was in like, we read it in middle school at some point. I think eighth yeah.
3: grade. So I'd already been kind of introduced to it a bit. But then like seeing it up on stage um with just the clarity i understood everything it
0: definitely changes the game Mm -hmm. to be trying to read it as a school (laughs) like while you're in school just (laughs) like what is this versus (laughs) actually seeing people act it and know what the the intimacy behind everything is
1: um i i think um romeo and juliet was probably the first one that i read in like sixth grade or something along those lines um but when I was in middle school, I had a theater teacher that was uh, – uh, who created the middle school program pretty much by herself and um, had a, built a really amazing program for, you know, a sixth through eighth grade middle school. Um, so we had – you know, most middle schools didn't even have a theater class. Or, mm-hmm. or, you know, if they did, they had, like, the theater acting one. Yeah. Was, you know, that was it. Um, and this was – I mean, so she had – Theater one, two, three, tech, advanced, wow, <laughs> stage manager all in middle all school. These yeah, and she did a fall play and a musical, and uh, you know every and year. And you so were, it was, you a, were it was an intense <laughs> program. And I went, knew going into it, I wanted to be an actor and involved in theater, but I really hadn't done any any Shakespeare studying before that, except in like English classes. Mm-hmm. And I may have seen a movie or two. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but it, you know, it definitely wasn't a huge part of my life. But we did a really in-depth study of uh, Midsummer. Nice. Um, I think when I was in seventh grade, it may have been eighth grade, um, and it was the first time that I. Understood everything yeah. and really had a you know opportunity to learn about these characters and like understand the concept behind behind it. Where most kids who are in like sixth, seventh, eighth grade like don't, you don't. have any concept mm-hmm. or care to know anything about Shakespeare. Um, but since she was so invested in um, helping us understand it, it just became a really um, great experience. And I think I like directed a scene. From it as one of my projects. Again, I was like 12. Cool. Um, so that was sort of my first, um, I think, really, really cool um, introduction.
2: Awesome. All right, I, Elliot. Yeah, I come from a family of academics and historians and actors, um, and so they my dad, when I was eight years old, took me to see Kenneth Branagh's Henry V in theaters, which is <laughs> super violent and super awesome. Um, and so, like, I mean, I I was doomed from the beginning. Like, we were just, uh, you know, uh, immersed. My dad loved Shakespeare. When I was in sixth grade, uh, we had, like, this interim thing at. This is weird private school stuff. Like <laughs> we had this like interim in between semesters where we had a month where like extracurricular classes that you didn't take otherwise would be around and possible. And my dad helped teach like a one month Shakespeare for kids class. Awesome. And so I played Malvolio in Twelfth Night. <laughs> As a sixth <laughs> grader. And I brought the freaking house down. <laughs> so I was like, well. Did you, know. you wear some yellow stockings? I did. Fantastic. I did.
3: That is so great. I love that all three of
0: you have been pretty entrenched in this. I think it is hard to um, avoid Shakespeare in school in general. But especially if you already have that like theater leaning and itch. Uh, I, similar to, um, Dylan's story, I remember being at, like, a theater summer camp and, uh, getting scenes from Midsummer Night's Dream and being like, oh, this is hilarious. (laughs) Like, it was, like, the first time that I really understood any of the comedy of it. And, uh, we did a thing where, like, our class was split into groups, and, like, we did a, one scene and then a group, like, song number and then another scene, um, and I was Hermia in one of the scenes and, uh, got to do the, like, um, uh, puppet why so, like, all of the, like, big insults, uh, lines, and I was like, this is awesome, so that was, that was about when I got pretty doomed myself, um, <laughs> So what do you think, um, do you think there was some kind of, because going through Shakespeare in school and studying scholastically, I feel like uh, Elliot's situation is a little unique in that like your whole family was kind of on board (laughs) for this too. Um, I feel like it's a little different than approaching and like uh, dissecting and viewing Shakespeare as more adult performers. Can you speak to that kind of transition at all Were there times in uh, like what, Did you guys study in college or anything like that?
1: Um, Well, I I will say that I think that um, uh, secondary education does a relatively poor job of introducing kids to Shakespeare. You know, it's one of those parts that you get to where everyone groans. Yes, absolutely. And and I think it's really unfortunate because uh, I think that most Kids don't realize how impactful Shakespeare has been to like everything that they like in like in modern media. Sure, um, and you know, for me, it was a little bit different because growing up, um, I was uh, and still am a gigantic Star Trek fan, and there's like tons <laughs> of Shakespeare in Star Trek. You know, yeah. they make a point. And so I always saw all these things, you know. Plus, when Patrick Stewart came on to the Next Generation, they like overtly were like, "We're going to put Shakespeare everywhere." Sure, Patrick Stewart. He's (laughs) Um, and so for me, it was it was more fun for me in that sense. Cool. Um, I think that for most kids who were not Star Trek fans when they were (laughs) ten, like I was. (laughs) Um, it just, it was a boring thing that they didn't understand what the words were and it was old and no one cared. Um, obviously when I got to, I know I went to Columbia College for theater. So everyone, I mean, you, you, you don't go to theater school and not like Shakespeare. Right. Right. So, um, I think,
0: that... or if you don't like it, it's because you're you're like making a choice to be like really, <laughs> yeah,
3: like oh I don't like the Beatles. I'm like I don't exactly. need that negativity in exactly. my life. Exactly,
0: <laughs> that's a, such a good like analogy for it because I have friends who don't like the Beatles and will like go off on these. No, okay, you just don't know. Whatever, whatever. you just.
2: Uh, Well, it's not that I don't like him. I just don't think they're the greatest man of all time. That's fine.
3: I don't think you have to. I don't like their music. I'm like, what?
0: I I think you can talk about Shakespeare without saying he's the greatest playwright of all time. I mean, I
1: I think that there are legitimate, like, certainly legitimate reasons to not like, you know, to not like a lot of classics. Personally, there's a lot of really renowned playwrights that I don't like so much. Mm -hmm. Um, If... I mean, I'll just say any play that's written by John Steinbeck, I will not see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it just bores the crap out of yeah, me. But sure. I think a lot of criticism that comes from sh- – toward Shakespeare is people who don't necessarily want to understand sure. or want to really immerse themselves in it. Mm-hmm. Where, for me, I'm like, I just don't really care about, like – migrant farmers in california like, that's why you know what i mean like doesn't like it's not you know and i realize we're dealing with some other humanity stuff here but it's just not my cup of tea mm-hmm. but shakespeare i mean we you know we talk about we transforming mid uh, uh much ado into sci-fi which is what we've done with this show but you've got midsummer which is already a fantasy um you have you know, Macbeth that has fantastical elements in it. The Tempest. Well, yeah, The Tempest. And uh, there's so much genre within Shakespeare Mm -hmm. um, that there's just so much there that if people have the opportunity to really immerse themselves in it, I think that people often find that there are things to really appreciate about it. I just don't think a lot of people who... Like to criticize, often do really mm-hmm. immerse themselves and really want to understand um, everything. It's
2: my opinion. Sure, it took me moving to Chicago to reappreciate Shakespeare and improv um, because I saw so much bad Shakespeare and improv before I moved here. <laughs> there's and plenty. I, hey, I, 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 was I was gonna like, say you can still see <laughs> bad Shakespeare oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and bad improv here, <laughs> <Not about it. laughs> but like so much. <laughs> 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 but yeah, like I saw I when well, the first time I saw I'm Se- sure the
0: hit ratio is way different though. And, and when I
2: say I'm like I'm like second city. Like the first time I came to Second City I was like, Oh yeah, that's right, improv can be and, and sketch can be funny. Right. Like it's not all just Look at me! Look at me! Look at me! Uh, I'm an actor who doesn't get enough attention, and like I think that there's something <laughs> about both those fields that draw bad actors to from them. Uh, Kansas. Yeah, from still. Kansas. Okay. Yeah, and and pretty much you know anywhere else. Anywhere but. else. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, there's some venues here where like you know I took a workshop with Bob Mason when uh, shortly after I moved up here, who um, worked with Chicago Shakes. Uh, he's their casting director, and um, he kind of revitalized my love interest and interest in, in Shakespeare because I was like, oh, well, yeah, there are people in this city who are doing it really well. and um, That's a really interesting um, analogy to draw that like in both <laughs> worlds, there are a lot
0: of actors who are drawn to doing them. Just like, oh, this is like, everyone does this, right?
1: <laughs> well, it was like a running joke at Columbia that if you ever started out your acting class by whipping out a Shakespeare monologue you were a tool yeah. like Aww. <laughs> and it was just sort of like it <laughs> ev- does not <laughs> like But it. you know what the reason is because a tool. most the
2: reason was because most of the time they just weren't they, it was like they were bad Shakespeare sure. you know what I mean like they it w- <laughs> they just want to be really dramatic right and they don't understand what they're saying or if they do, they're not conveying to the audience what they're saying, and it's it's. I just w- sat through a lot of bad performances where I was like, I can't understand you because you don't understand what you're saying. You're, you I don't. Understand. Understand or a you. lot of times,
3: I notice people um, understand the gist of what they're saying, sure. but not literally what they're saying. Oh, and that's
1: so important. That, that's something Mary Kate was so amazing at directing mm. this production. There's nothing in this, not a single word that is said in this show that. The person saying it and the rest of the cast doesn't know exactly what it means That's and the historical awesome. context of it.
3: That's awesome. Well, Clarity wanna, is so important. Why I don't we talk a little good. bit about the
0: show itself? I mean, mm-hmm. you uh, it, we've talked about you know the title and that you kind of have put this sci-fi spin on it, which I know is a big goal for Otherworld. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, please, like elaborate.
3: Okay. Um, well, Allie Grauer and Drew Merjewski had been looking for a company to take a look at a concept of Much Ado About Nothing for them mm-hmm. that was set in a um, dystopia society. Cool. So they talked to a bunch of different companies. They came to Otherworld, and this was something that we were interested in looking at. Cool. We hosted a staged reading. Um, I, unfortunately, and maybe fortunately, since I ended up directing the show, was not able to attend the stage uh, reading.
0: so, like, maybe it kind of left you yeah, a little yeah, unencumbered so. by it. I think so.
3: But apparently it was very successful. Um, so we decided to try <laughs> <Apparently>. this out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I saw
0: pictures.
2: I was there. It was
3: successful. Yeah, it was <laughs> successful.
0: <laughs> I just thought it was funny to think of, like... I mean, even without my <laughs> participation in it.
2: That's definitely what I meant. I, didn't I know.
3: I don't want to have to that, say it out loud. That was... <laughs> I mean I just I wish I could have gone. I think I I had know something. that was like not
0: your intention at all, but to me it was just like funny to think about that I guess like- it was successful. <laughs> I heard on the street.
3: But it was. It was very successful. Cool. Right? I I believe. Um and so we decided that we would pursue this. Um that's awesome that it was like Oh, we think you guys could do... Like, this
0: is something we want to do, and we think you guys could do it. Yeah. How cool.
3: It was really cool. I thought um, that it was great that they came to us. I know that they talked to a bunch of other companies as well, and it just kind of fit our mission to do sure. something science fiction and fantasy. Um, when approached with the idea, I kind of wanted to make sure it was really science fiction and not just, you know, um, much to do with, like, robot costumes. Sure. In space! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, exactly. So it's Hilarious. like, how do, you, how do you do that? How yeah. do you yeah. embed a science fiction world into this script that has really no science fiction at all? I mean, right. there's just none. Yeah. So what it really ended up being was a bit of an adaptation. Um, we incorporated a bunch of science fiction elements that colored the world. And I think my biggest challenge was finding elements that would work with the text. Okay. Because that's really freaking hard. Well, yeah. and,
1: and you, you know, you did... Ad- uh, a lot of, a, a lot of the cutting and adapting yourself. I did, um, um, which I think is important to give credit for. We say adaptation, though, and I think some people think, oh, well, they probably changed everything. We use like most of the original text. It's, it's true. I mean, um, there's very little. Um, that's actually changed from the text. Most of it is, like, cutting or rearranging. Yeah, I mean... A redistribution anyone
0: of who, Like, yeah. performing the entirety of a Shakespeare play at this point in, like, our lives and culture is, like, oh, man, like, did Tarantino really need all three hours for Hateful Eight? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, did we really... Like, we can probably... And I don't think it's, like, it's, you know... Anything against Shakespeare like it's just a different like I think you have to tackle things like that. Well it's a different point. time. I yeah. mean
1: it's a different time. Audiences, particularly in Chicago, don't like sitting for a long time. Yeah. We know that because we always do these like two hour long epic plays, <laughs> which people like, but yeah. you know, if any criticism that we get, it's always God, that was great. I mean long, but yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes. this is Shakespeare in ninety minutes. Wow. You know? Actually it's like eighty-five minutes if we're being serious yeah. about it. It. Wow. And I, th- I mean, I give Mary Kate tons of credit. I mean, it's amazing, um, cutting of this script to uh, everything makes sense and it, it moves. I mean, you can hate Shakespeare and go into this show and be like, man, this is fun, you know? Cool.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dylan. That really means a lot to me. Um, I, I worked a lot on the script and just like, just, dist- I wanted the show to be about more than just Beatrice and Benedict. I wanted it to be about the city of Messina and the citizens. So I did a lot of like, redistribution of lines I moved things from the end of the show to the beginning just so it had a more contemporary flow of action cool um and I think that there's a time and a place for the entirety of much ado I don't think a sci-fi fantasy company is that time or that place (laughs) if that makes sense
0: sure it totally does that's kind of I
3: think that's kind of what I
0: was getting at too in terms of like not presenting the entire play exactly as it was the first time is like if especially with something like this, an interpretation like mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily uh, just lend itself to like,
2: all right, five right, let's go. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> well, and it's not that Shakespeare doesn't stand well on its own anymore; it does. You can just do the script oh, yeah. as it's written. Yeah, I think but that's why time and place is when you're, important. Yeah, you know, when you're in a th- when you're in a city that has over three hundred theater companies, how are you going to put? You know, I mean, how are you also going to get? <laughs> how are you going to afford to do your production? I mean, and you got to you got to kind of change stuff up occasionally and if our mission is uh, is science fiction and fantasy then we need to find a way to make it really science fiction and fantasy and not like i said you know just in space that's (laughs) that's a
0: really really good point Uh, in a in a environment pretty saturated with theater uh, you have to tackle it somehow and it's like even chicago shakes doesn't really do like a traditional you know, take I. I've only seen a couple shows there, but they weren't just like you know, five acts like straight you sure. know Elizabethan dress Shakespeare. You know, like
1: uh, well, no, I, I think that it, that it's that it says a lot about anyone who can take the text and really find some way to make it their own, um, and give some give audiences something different and exciting. I think Shakespeare is exciting, mm-hmm. but like we need theater audiences and even non-theater audiences. The people who like totally our 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 patrons are someone not necessarily who, theater people. Absolutely, so,
0: like know. I'm sure someone who came to see like of Dyson Men or of uh, the uh, vampire show that you, Dark Gone Dark Gone Dark. Gone dark. Um, that's like a pretty different or that's a pretty specific demographic and i feel like it sounds like what you guys have done totally fits in that demographic whereas like you're saying watching a whole shakespeare show without that bent on it may not appeal to a bro- a, that kind of audience. Oh,
1: right. And I think uh, Chicago Shakes, I think, does a great job of yeah. taking, like, the mainstream, you know, the h- big budget Shakespeare and making it something for everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, bringing in the greatest directors and actors yeah. in the yeah. world. Spending, <laughs> yeah. spending a billion who dollars. Who knows how much I money yeah, yeah. 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 they And mean, fielding,
0: like, every actor in the city to figure out who they yeah, want to cast. Oh, like, they, they have, like, anything to. Right. Yeah. But I can
1: tell you what, the production of Twelfth Night that I saw there. Was where they built an entire freaking pool... Into the audience. I mean, come on, like that's you know that's the way to do it. Yeah, um, yeah. but if you don't... I thought
2: that's what we were gonna do. <laughs> yeah,
0: but if you don't, yeah, have... you didn't
3: build a pool in Mary's attic. <laughs> no, Mary... there's still time. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't the show already open? <laughs> it did. If you don't have, you know, if you don't have a budget of a million
1: dollars, then what can you do to differentiate and really get people excited about this kind of work and show people that you know theater can be exciting. Even Shakespeare can be exciting, um, and it you know you don't need to um, uh, you know you don't need to only have an audience full of older folks who uh, you know go to the opera. Appreciate it, sure. Mm -hmm. I
0: totally agree. I think it's really cool to take that on as kind of a mission.
1: Not that I don't like older. I mean, I I love when older (laughs) folks come and see our stuff. Sure, and that especially when they like it. But um, you know, you get my point. Well, I
2: think that's also like, kind of a big part of our mission. Um, not not our printed mission nex, uh, necessarily, but our mission as a company is to re-energize a new generation of theater-goers um, because we're a different audience. I mean, and one of the reasons why theater has become a little bit stale... Um, in the United States, is we've been doing the same thing for the last thirty years. We've been doing the same plays over and over and over again. John Steinbeck and the mm-hmm. audience that goes to see them, this old audience, they're dying, and we need to find a way to make Literally. it exciting <laughs> for our audience, which has very short attention spans and sure. you know has is, lives in a different world and yeah. wants to see things that are about them and you know and, and their interests. They want to
3: participate in the world too. I mean, we learned that heavily with Amarantha and Gone Dark. The people that come to see our shows want to feel like they're a part of the entertainment. Cool. And so with this show, what we've done is we've let people. I mean, we encourage people to dress up as moralists or less a revolutionaries. We awesome. just really try to make it like um, a community of an event. Yeah, yeah, which I think is I'm really interested. important. And our our um, our patrons love that specifically. Our patrons, you know,
1: it's more about turning the shows from you know a, a very strict play. Here is your seats, and this is the stage, and you're going to watch this production into a real experience. Sure. sure. Um, and you see a lot of a lot of business not even just performance business moving in that direction of creating experiences for their people absolutely um and i think that that's really an uh, a very um lightly tapped uh idea within mm-hmm. the theater community mm-hmm. that you can really uh create this excitement um for audiences who want to come and do more than just sit and watch a show they want to be a part of it they want to feel like um, they're engaged in you know the action and and you know we interact with our audience members and they vote for whichever you know which side they want to win cool. um, during the show because we've uh, separated them into um, you know the, the revolutionaries and the moralists are these two factions in the play that we've created um, so you know I think that that's um, something that we learned and particularly Gone Dark was a completely immersive yeah. show where the audience traveled around and um, you know people say all the time you know that was a true experience. Awesome.
2: Well and we can also give them a new story our, you know our theater company gives people new stories or old stories told in new ways so they're not going and seeing the same thing that they've. You know. This
1: is not your grandfather's much ado not, about yeah, nothing Exactly <laughs> this is That's your, great
0: uh what what are some of your favorite um takes on Shakespeare uh you know that maybe fed into like the way that you looked at this but not necessarily you know I feel like everyone has that one performance they saw or like you know Baz Luhrmann or whatever didn't didn't he do Romeo plus Juliet I loved that Lerman. film yes.
1: So I no, will say
3: it with no shame.
1: I did love it. I like that film too. I, yeah. That's a great example of taking something and making it fun for everybody. I think you know? so too. You'll see a lot reminiscent of that in this. Production. Oh, really? That yeah.
3: kind of was one of my like sort love of ideals. It. I love
1: yeah. it. I, I think that's great. I, mean, I, I don't know. I guess there might be some purists who are like, "Oh, that Romeo and Juliet." But I mean, come on, folks. They used the text. Yeah. And I think if you're going to do an entire, you know, use the real text mm-hmm. and find cool ways of. I think it was great. I, I really so enjoyed it.
3: My favorite Shakespeare adaptation is The Lion King. <laughs> Hamlet on the I Serengeti. love that answer. Hilarious. <laughs> it's true. <too laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, well, you talk about changing stuff. I yeah. mean, if that's Put some Hamlet. some
3: lions out there. It is Hamlet. Think I know. on it. No, what I have think? thought on it, but it's still. Like,
2: I mean, <laughs> ours is definitely an adaptation. Yeah,
3: definitely.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could say what isn't uh 10 things I hate about you. 10 of uh, the things are true. Yeah.
3: Um, that one film, uh, she's the man, is twelve million. Oh yeah, I found that film actually very. My funny. boyfriend loves she's the man. I love it. That moment, was like she gives it. good. What is it? She gives good nod. I like lost it. I think I've seen it like
0: once all the way through, and he will on occasion reference something from it, and I'm like, wow, you really, you really a big, movie. really <laughs> a big she's the man fan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I think, the, I mean, the, I,
1: I really like that Mary-Kate said that because so much of modern film and TV is Shakespeare rehashed. Sure. And these same storylines um, reused and redone in a way that no one realizes or few people realize that it is essentially these storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a... There's this cool... I'm going to harken back to Star Trek again. Um, There's a really cool Star Trek The Next Generation episode um, where it starts off with Captain Picard and Data on the holodeck, and Data is performing a scene from The Tempest. Um, And he's playing Prospero. And... um, the entire episode ends up being about a very similar storyline with one, an enemy who defects and finds himself on this island away from his people. Uh huh. Um, and it mirrors the entire hilarious the entire story. But it's you know, but it, it's again, it's a way that uh, and they're overt about it, right? Yeah, I mean, They right. Start off with Shakespeare. Sure, they don't even and try. Say, hey, they're like, hey, look, here's... this is going to be a mirror of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of the Tempest in a way. You know, not all of it, but um, th- and there is just a lot of that that I I don't know if I could. Say I have one um, really favorite Shakespeare adaptation, mm-hmm. um, but um, uh, that's just what came to mind when you said it. Love it, great, great answer.
2: Richard the Third with Ian McKellen.
3: Really, yeah. I yes, love that uh, one
2: too. That too. one was great. I, I've never seen it. It's oh, really Robert Downey Jr. and Ian McKellen. It's great. That one is really good.
1: That, yeah.
0: My histories are very shady. I always like. I feel I. I I can't even think of many of them that I'm, like, super familiar with. But, like, the dramas and the comedies were always where my, like, experience or uh, anything else kind of led. I've seen a stage production of Richard III, but it was, like, Shakespeare in the Park or something like that. So <laughs> 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 it wasn't a
1: great one. <laughs> no, that that film is really good. I recommend anyone who hasn't seen it. Into to, it. Yeah. I'll
0: have to check it out. Uh, I, I think one of my like more recent I mean it sounds like obvious to say to Shakespeare fans but the uh, David Tennant, Patrick Stewart Hamlet is so fucking good (laughs) Uh, I actually was on Study Abroad while it was in Stratford and I saw it twice Uh, and then I found out PBS was, like, doing a kind of just, like, a filmed version of the play, and I lost my mind, because I was like, everyone has to watch this, um, but that's, like, it's just so good, it's just, like, someone like David Tennant being able to capture the comedy of the, of Hamlet as a character was so, I think, probably because I... You know, like enjoy comedy and consider myself a comedian on good days. Uh, I think oh. that really like stuck with me. It was like I think it was something that had been vastly ignored. I before agree that.
3: with you, and I think Hamlet is very funny. Yeah, but then again, I think Silence of the Lambs is funny. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Wouldn't you, big old fat person? <laughs> Don't say it. Yeah, but no, I think that's I think that's where a lot of you know the bad Shakespeare I was talking about earlier goes wrong is they don't find the humor in, you know things like Hamlet like you know it's these are these were performed for the masses there you know has they're to supposed they have to entertain their audiences and that's the thing is it's like it's not about you it's about entertaining this audience and mm-hmm. making them laugh and making them pay their you know mm-hmm. their shilling to come back uh, shilling <laughs> yeah I'm using British terms I love
0: it. <laughs> How are, are any of you guys familiar with the uh, Canadian show Slings and Arrows? Mm-hmm. I just started watching it. Yes. Also, one of my favorite uh, results of Shakespeare, I guess <laughs> you could say, because it's like far from an adaptation. It's just a scripted show about a Shakespeare company. Yeah. But uh, man, I watched it in college and was just like, this Shakespeare guy, <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he knew what he was doing.
2: It's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're still doing all of this stuff 500 years later yeah. well
1: yeah i mean i i uh it's funny you mentioned i saw a production of hamlet um on a school trip when i was taking i took a shakespeare class when i was a junior in high school um which was great because it was taught by a teacher who was really passionate about it um and it was like like public school doing shakespeare right you know sure. really teaching you um all the cool that's awesome uh, cool things about it but we went and saw A like the the Ann Arbor Youth Theater affiliated with University of Michigan somehow Uh do Hamlet like look. Like kids doing Hamlet. Yeah. It was. I mean, I fell asleep. I it s- was I've seen
0: a couple. I've seen Hamlet performed probably more than anything else. Well, and that's the thing is
2: that I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry too. Not a
2: fan. Well, it's just. It's... I mean, if that's what you've seen more than anything else, like I mean, that's just a really long play, and and it's rarely done very well. Sure. Right.
0: That was basically what I was like. Well, okay, yeah. so okay, we're we're on so the, we're the same Hamlet. page. I mean, it's
3: not comedy of errors. We don't hate it. No, I love. <laughs> Hamlet. And I think <laughs> just making
0: best. sure we we're on yeah. the same page. Yeah. But yeah, well, like, well that's, I, seen I think some that's like what like we mean. Subpar versions, right. right? That that
1: Hamlet's great. I mean, Hamlet's a great play, but so many people, I think, do. And not, this is not just Hamlet. This is Shakespeare. Um, schools, or younger people, or even older people, or people who are trying to prove themselves will do Shakespeare when they're not really up to the task because they, oh, this is going to be hard, but we're going to. You know, and like, sorry, but you need to actually do the work instead yeah. of just saying, oh, we're going to put up Shakespeare with 13 year olds. Yeah. And it's going to be Hamlet. Like, you know, like, there's shows that are appropriate. Midsummer is one of them yeah, that you can do with was, younger that's children.
0: That's yeah. I think Definitely. it's literally the most performed Shakespeare show. I think Midsummer Night's Dream is like, I think, statistically
2: right. the most produced. I'm actually
3: surprised show. that most schools don't have. Um, students read that instead of Romeo and Juliet. We read I, I honestly, yeah. honestly yeah, did too. Oh
2: There's a, also like a reason why most actors don't play Hamlet until they're like 40. Yeah. Because well, it's a really yeah. hard part. Like it's a really long part and it's a really difficult part And but it's supposed to be you know Hamlet's supposed to be like 20. Like yeah. you know and it's rarely do you see somebody that young playing Hamlet because it's a really demanding part. It's like the part that actors prepare for their whole life. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's one of those make or breaks. I mean that's basically what the pilot of uh Slings and Arrows is about. Is <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. a, a artistic director who like kind of went crazy playing Hamlet. Yeah. We're led to believe <laughs> like you do. Like, like you I do. do. <laughs> hey Daniel Day Lewis
2: did. <laughs> hey, nope. uh, oh god.
1: Uh Listen, I don't want to be anywhere in the state when Mary-Kate plays Lady M, so. Oh,
0: <laughs> yes. Which inevitably
1: will happen one day. I was going to
3: say, I can totally <laughs> see that. Uh, <laughs> I think I have some other ones i got to knock out first before I can get to Lady oh, M. Oh, sure, uh, but you know mean, it's going to happen. just saying, it's like, eventually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's boss. <laughs> I hope uh, you are in the state.
1: Yeah. I mean, I will be, but Wait, I will also. Be. She said
3: that this, like she
2: was gonna kill you. Look,
1: <laughs> this is speaking as someone who played a role that she dominated in.
2: Yes, uh, they had um, <laughs> they had simulated sex in the uh, in one of our last performances uh, in
1: a
3: non-consensual way. Yeah,
1: I was I was the non-consenter. Right. Um,
2: that's what I. <laughs> she, I mean, this was I mean that role
1: was like a lady M kind of yeah. part. Um, And uh, and it was it was uh, terrifying for me. So, uh, <laughs>
0: you don't want we're to get anywhere close? We're still friends. No, Mary, Mary, we're still friends. Dylan still, said with like
2: wide, desperate mean, she, eyes. <laughs> she gets into character, man, and she. <laughs> <laughs> it, it might have been more scary for those of us who had to watch. <laughs> Truth, scary yeah, true,
3: or arousing, Elliot. <laughs> Don't answer that. Can't yeah, it be both?
2: Tomato, tomato.
3: Tomato, tomato.
2: That's great. I mean, there's.
0: I think there's a lot to be said there too. I uh, speaking of like. Having someone in secondary education who really did do a good job of Mm -hmm. dissecting um, and teaching Shakespeare, my senior English teacher did King Lear. And while I don't think that it really, like, got everyone on board, I was totally like it's one of my favorite shakespeare's now like i think it's also part of why i fell in love with slings and arrows so much too <laughs> is because that was the the third season of it is just so meaty and you know because i watched it in college after i had a few years before that done this like really extensive like in-depth reading of king lear and just like loved it and and i really do think that's pretty imperative here is for if you're going to enjoy it as for what it is you really have to dig into it especially as someone studying it maybe not right. or like producing it
2: mm-hmm. um but n- maybe not as like a theater goer but one of our one of our cast members for this uh jared McDaris. um has written a couple plays in verse. He's really talented. And uh, he's just backstage the entire time, pointing out everything that's sexual about what's being said the entire time. <laughs> and sometimes acting it out with pelvic thrusts. And Of course. Of course.
3: So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jared. Actually, I should bring um, him up real quick. He is like a Shakespeare aficionado. Um, He actually wrote a prologue for us in the show, uh, Messina 3004, in um, Iambic Pentameter. Cool. So he really writes He has another play coming up in June, um, The Life and Death of Countess Battery, uh, about the woman Elizabeth Bathory, you know, who killed the virgins and then bathed in their blood. Who
1: is playing her?
3: Well, I am. <laughs> I'm gonna bring that up, but he's just fantastic. So I just want to give him. No, so Jared is Jared. great.
1: I'm like, you can you write an entire play. He could write he could write an entire fricking anthology in iambic
3: pentameter. I, I think I mean, he's written four plays. It, it, it's amazing. It's incredible. It's one, you know, of the better,
2: one of the better one of the better plays in verse I've you know read like I mean recently and but it's it's that's a hard sell sometimes because it's like oh it is
1: well, you know, we read it uh you know when we were we were trying to find a play to do um uh, in the slot that gone dark actually ended up being hmm. um uh, and a fantasy play and yeah a, a fantasy play that we, I mean, we really were having a hard time picking what we wanted to do, um and that was a play that that we floated and we all we all read it and we're all like, you know this is really impressive and really good, but is it something that can we do this and then much ado and oh. have and have our audiences yeah. stay with us mm-hmm. and we're just like it's maybe just not. a little bit too and Close. and you know I remember Elliot saying specifically like tell Jared that like it's it's amazing, so good but yeah. it's just not right for the company right now that
0: makes a lot of sense um, yeah and
1: I, it will be really cool to see when it's when it's done um, I too will be in it
3: yeah Elliot will be in it maybe <laughs> That's playing awesome. my husband Per Peruge. Is that next
0: season? or oh, that's, a, a different, that, that's a different yeah. combination. Oh. Or it's just yeah, Jared. Just, just Jared. He's putting He's it has up. has his own company. It's called yeah. Just Jared. Just Jared. Just Jared. <laughs>
3: Just Jared with like a smile of him. Yeah. <laughs> so great.
1: Well, but can we also say that Jared's in Much Ado? he, is, yes, he, he plays Leonardo. Uh,
3: Senator Leonardo. Cool. Um, yep.
1: And he's great, too. I mean, he's a great actor. Uh, That's awesome. And he's, you know, he's... Uh, I would
0: imagine someone with the ability to write like that would be a great asset on stage performing in verse. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. absolutely.
3: It's so funny. Um, my boyfriend came to see the show last night. He leans over. He's like, Jared always plays royalty. Yeah. Like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got this like low voice. Yeah, his voice. He's got the voice of God. Yes. <laughs> his <laughs> voice. He's gonna be so Actors embarrassed that we're like talking that. about him so much.
1: <laughs> oh well, he'll deal with it. He'll <laughs> like Jared, it. Jared, I don't know you, but
0: love <laughs> 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 to get you on the show sometime. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was I about to say? Fuck! I had another good like slings and arrows it was maybe something because well. like there was a time in my life where I like couldn't carry on a conversation about TV or film where like I wouldn't bring it it, it happens <laughs> it happens
2: yeah I, I've been there many many you times you said you're watching it now right I am I'm watching it right now I'm just saying that in general with the shows that I binge watch like uh, I, uh, everything until I'm done with that series like, is about that show and, and I'm like hey isn't it like this and they're like that show came <laughs> out five years ago man yeah but, I, I
3: did that with Parks and Rec a lot yeah oh, our show. Um, guilty
0: yeah. I guilty. Say if you've listened to the podcast at all, you would absolutely know that yep. this is the case. It's like the podcast could be about not TV or anything Parks and Recreation related. I'm like, oh, you know what? That kind of reminds me. Uh, it's
2: like when handy fell into the pit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Just like that. I was going to ask you.
3: Um, you loved Lear. Like, did you identify with any of his three daughters, or
0: like? I mean, I like to think that I, I I don't think I typically am going to identify with, like, an evil character. So, like, I'm definitely Cordelia. Cordelia, yeah. It's, I, I mean, the, I, that was, like, early on in doing those, those couple scenes from uh, Midsummer. even when I was just, like, 12 or something, 12 or 13, I was just, like, I like where this Hermia chick's coming from. You know, like, that's probably about as, like, she's like quote-unquote evil and- as yeah. I get, you know? It's just, like, jealousy. I'm like, yeah! And, like, I think there's definitely some of that where Cordelia's concerned, too. She just gets, like, a real, like, shitty lot, you know? <laughs> like, I think it just is really sad. Like, that play just feels really sad to me yeah. it, uh, when you really get into all of the... uh Dealings of it, but yeah. how about you
3: with those daughters specifically? Yeah, do you have any? Oh, I don't know. I I probably Regan. Yeah. Or I mean, it could be Goneril, either. I I, <laughs> love, I like the two evils, but I mean, that, those wouldn't, wouldn't be like my first choice of like Shakespeare characters. Uh-huh. But I just thought well, when you were talking that you loved it. I, you kind of I could see you being a Cordelia type. Yeah, she's kind of a badass too,
0: for sure. I thought I think that definitely uh, got me into the show as well. Is like even though it was about it is you know Lear and uh, there's a lot of other like strong male characters in that show. I think at a, it's hard. It's about those sisters. Yeah. Um, which is always, which I think is so, like, I think you could say that al- about a lot of uh, Shakespeare, actually. Like, we were talking about Lady M earlier, you know? Like, the show is called Macbeth, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's... Uh, when you
3: durst do it, then you are a man. Just saying. <laughs>
1: I think it's interesting how many uh, how many strong female characters exist within Shakespeare. Um, certainly ahead of their time, and obviously all men played them back when Shakespeare yeah, was around. But definitely um, has to be mentioned. You know, uh, I, something that we did with this show was we gender bended the part of Don John. Um, so Don John is played by uh, a woman. I love uh, it.
3: Elise. Uh, is her name playing it? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, her name
1: is Elise. (laughs) Her name Um, is Elise. (laughs) Um, And it's interesting because I remember listening to Mary-Kate and Tiffany talking about it when they first decided to gender bend that role um, and how it almost seemed like that should have been a female part originally, just how it's written. Sure. She
3: has this entire monologue about, um, I will smile at no man's jest. I'll eat when I'm hungry and wait on no man's business. Like this has to be a woman. That's awesome. Like it has to That's be That's really awesome. Cause I was
0: thinking about it like with the kind of like uh impresari
3: like sexual
0: kind of tones to it, but that is sounds even more like I mean that
3: would be a great monologue for any female auditioning for Shakespeare is Don John's monologue about waiting on no man's business.
0: That's mm-hmm. awesome. Was that so was that was a decision that you made before you cast it? Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So, the, so not even just like gender blind casting. You literally wanted. I that wanted to be a, a woman, and I really wanted her cool. to
3: resemble Annie Lennox. Just watched a lot fucking of fucking yes.
2: Watched a lot of Keanu Reeves' performance, and then <laughs> decided to go as far opposite of that as you could. Keanu Reeves, the
3: great glamour. <laughs> I've heard he's a fantastic guy,
2: though. <laughs> yes, also heard that.
3: Another thing with this show, though, as far as women go, um, I definitely didn't want the role of hero to be just a waif. Yeah, um, in the real, you know, in the real text, she really doesn't say much, and so I no. actually gave her a lot of Beatrice's lines. Cool, so that she was kind of sassy, and we have a dream sequence where she really gives it to Claudio because awesome. you know he treats her horribly. And I remember she's like, I'll marry you. Okay. I
0: I wasn't like super. Yes, I I I've like uh, I wasn't super. Um, I didn't know much to do. Like I'd never read it or seen it until like last summer or a couple summers ago. My roommate was in. Uh, a production in Chicago and I saw it and I felt like that was one of the things that I left with. I was like, fuck, she gets nothing to do. Like, and then yeah. they just get married at the end. When yeah. we did the
2: stage reading, it was just amazing. Like, cause I played Claudia in that as well. And just amazing. Like, I was like, why, why do I even, why do I even bother with this? Person? Yes. Like, you know, and then, you know, I think, <laughs> uh, Claudio is my girlfriend's most hated character in all of literature. Um, like despises <laughs> Despises him. And basically, just the overall acceptance of how he treats her. Sure. Um, And I think we've, uh, Mary Kate's done a really cool, interesting um, job of uh, making him a little bit more understandable and palatable to modern audiences. That's great. That are a little bit more progressive, so if you come you might not hate me as much as you would. No,
1: I mean I don't think I don't think you hate Claudio really at all in in this show and really this show elevates women in a really um I think uh, nice way. Um yeah, absolutely. Hero is a totally a part that you're like Yeah. Happened? Whatever, normally. What do you um, do here? Yeah, but yeah. yeah. But in yeah. this one, it's
0: absolutely not. You don't even not. go to the school. Yeah, <laughs> it does yeah.
3: feel like you don't even go to the school. Like, what is, who is she? Like, it's just a lady named here. Like, it yeah. doesn't. Every man's hero silent and pretty. Yeah. Right, yeah.
1: <laughs> and there are other parts oh, that Billy. were gender bended as well. Um, cool. So there actually are a lot more women in the show than originally Conrad's written. A woman. Conrad, a woman. yeah, Conrad played by um, Mindy. Um, so it's. Uh, Eventually, yeah. we should use last names. No, no one gets last names. All right. Nope. Elise Dawson and Mindy Fay Parks. Cool. Thank
0: you, Dylan. Awesome.
1: We love them both.
0: How did the opening
2: weekend go? Can it was stellar. Awesome.
3: We were oversold last night.
2: We had yeah. people. We had yeah. people sitting on stage last night. I came out for one of our scenes and was like, oh, "Okay, well, well th- 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 someone sitting in th- my th- spot."
1: Thankfully, it was our ensemble member Brendan Stallings and his friend, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Which I told him. I was like, Brendan, you got here. He literally walked in at, like, the time of the show. And I was like, all right, listen, asshole. <laughs> you, you're going to sit on the stage. Um, also, uh, I run the box office because, naturally, Dogberry and Verges should... Uh,
3: They're like our bouncers. They're the bouncers <laughs> for the show. I love it. So,
1: I yeah. So, I let everyone in and yell at them on their way in.
3: That's so great.
1: Um, so, yeah, that's fun, too. So, if you want to be harassed by a Dogberry on your way into the show, then... By all means, um, some people uh, did not enjoy it last night. I will say that, but Hilarious. I think most people, <laughs> I think most people have That's a pretty good spirit great. about it. Okay, oh,
2: people okay. did enjoy you badgering them. They loved the show.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> right. No, that, absolutely. They loved the show. I, I understood did not, that's what you meant. Did not enjoy I, understood my that. Right.
2: I
0: understood that's what you meant, but that was an important clarification. <laughs> they all loved the show. I don't know if they enjoyed you being <laughs> in character while they were coming in trying to be seated
3: for a Some show. people
1: definitely. D-
3: I mean, you know, you got to kind of read the people, that, too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, that's how I knew Dylan would, do, you know, just do a great job with it. He's really good at reading people. You know, Even when he's um, not acting in other world production, he's usually running box office anyway. So much yeah, not, to
1: the chagrin. Yeah, but. usually last second when I'm told, "Hey, there's nobody to do this," then I
2: end up doing it. But he's it. so good at it. He does it with a, a skip and an eye roll. <laughs> 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 perfectly coiffed
3: hair. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but uh yeah, no, it uh, opening went really well and man, they just kept on coming in last That's night too. So great. We, we started the night sold basically to capacity wow. and there were people walking in, no, we don't have our tickets yet. I was like, "Okay." What's your capacity? Let's
3: see. Um I would say have? around we had around 43 last night.
0: That's yeah. awesome.
1: Typically, I think I think like 40 is like a good yeah. number. Sure. Um I just didn't know what that and it's
3: space a rather would hold, large, really. large cast as well, so there's a cast of 14 and so it's kind of like when everyone's wow. on the stage and all the Yeah. Rooms. and Mary's that attic room's
2: full. Mm-hmm. It's ended up being like a perfect space because we it fills uh, the way it's staged. Uh there's still the entire back area next to the bar that's open so people can go there right before the show and right after the show and get drinks. Right. And, and they only
0: really have to be in the actual
2: space for, while the show's for going while on. the show's going yeah, on. makes perfect sense. And uh, Um, Yeah, one of the things I realized, I didn't even realize until um, Tiffany uh, had put up photos on Facebook of uh, our final dress was how awesome this space really does work for the show. It looks like an abandoned old theater. It looks like if somebody was like rummaging around in the old uptown theater. Like Uh it's. It's it's just really perfect for a dystopian story. Hello Boslerman. Yep. <laughs> Hello Boslerman.
0: That's so great. I know that that is also kind of a goal of the company is uh is being um you know, using the different spaces to kind of uh, match with what the story you're telling is. Because I know you did that with Gone Dark as well. Yeah, was I it think that church.
3: Yeah, it was in a church um, at Worth Methodist I mean,
1: even Queen Amarantha, which was at City Lit Theater, is also in a church. You know, it's in a church, but uh-huh. City Lit is housed in that church and just kind of had a, a very uh, medieval feel to it, you know, cool. when you walked in. Um, so that's definitely. Um, there are pros and cons to sure. finding these site-specific places. Yeah. Certainly Gone Dark was really cool, but also in a church that we had to completely, oh. you know. I mean,
0: not having a home-like base is really hard. Well, can it's I just hard. say
1: that uh, our uh, now newly-minted artistic associate, David Goodman-Edberg, who does our lighting uh, for the, for this show and the last show, is amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Seriously. The, Amazing. I can't imagine. Easily that the many m- best things. the most creative lighting designer I've ever seen. Awesome. This guy, I can't even tell you what he does with LED strips, lights Every in Gone Dark he had lights strung up outside the windows so it looked like lightning and moonlight was cool. shining through. I mean this was this was a church that was built in like the late eighteen hundreds yeah. that did not have electricity everywhere. So these were lights that he was putting up and stringing together in a thousand extension cords. Figure and he way. did a very similar thing in, in Mary's Attic, where there's this all these different types of lighting elements That's everywhere. That's really cool. Um, and a few people have told us, man, we have never seen Mary's Attic used in this
2: way before.
0: That's so cool. What a coup. And well,
2: like you said earlier, like... <laughs> Not having a home as a theater company is hard for a couple of things. Like, one, you tell somebody that you're in a theater company, and they're like, oh, where's your space? And we're like, oh, we don't really have in one, which hearts. immediately makes you sound a little bit amateurish. Of course, but... But being able to adapt and be nomadic and use the space and what you're given to create your world is also something that makes our company really special, I feel of like. Course. So, yeah, it would be great to have our own space and not have to pay, you know, somebody else rent to for every single show. We'd be able to probably do a lot more shows, but... The shows we are able to do, we we do really well um, visually because we're you know we're making the world out of what we've got to work with
0: and creating that from the second someone walks in the door. Sure. You well, know? And
2: I think it's important to point out
1: that one of the missions that Tiffany had when she started this company, you know, one of the criticisms of theater, I think, in the mainstream, you know, uh, popular these days. Yeah. Is well with a movie, you can have action, and you can have sci-fi, and you can have and you can do all those things with movies because it's special effects, and that can't be done on the stage. Um, and mm-hmm. not only do we as a company say yes, you can do science fiction on stage and have some really great action or fantasy. I mean, Queen Amarantha had a like had a, had fighting in it that was rather advanced for any company in Chicago, not just a small like newer theater company. Um And you can do all of those things on stage, and you can do it without spending a ton of money mm-hmm. um The budgets that we have for these shows, people are always shocked at how much we didn't spend Wow, um and we pay everybody sure um, not oh, a lot that 's awesome we pay everybody. but
0: like. What can yeah. you say that about in Chicago? Sure. The sh- list is short. Oh, it really absolutely. Is. And we
1: think it's so important, and it just I goes to you. prove, you know, and so many people use that as an excuse. Well, we can't pay you because, like, we have to use all of our money no. on this show. Fuck well, you. <laughs> we, right. So we do these shows, we save money everywhere we can in our budget, and then we make sure we pay everybody.
0: That's
2: awesome. Good for you guys. Science fiction and fantasy was started as a literary genre. Yeah. People oh, yeah, had to absolutely. use their imagination for 30 years before Star Wars came Hilarious. out. Hilarious. Yeah. So the fact that people now are like, oh, you can't use special effects and whatever, it's like, well, wh- what about Bradbury? What about, you know, what about Vonnegut? What about yeah. people had to use their imaginations to so me, do it again?
0: Yeah, that's almost counterintuitive. It's like, this world and these worlds exist
1: because people could use their because
0: there are right. no limits. I mean, you go know? all the
1: way back to Midsummer. You know, yeah. I mean that you know it's all fairies, and you know it's it's it absolutely these things can be done on stage. We did a play that was took place on a spaceship. You know, in the Aurora Project, that was the whole thing was on a ship, and and you know it, it was not a fifty thousand dollar budgeted
2: uh, show. So. Yeah. Um we burned a woman in her house in her books in yeah. Fahrenheit four fifty one. We had a mechanical hound that was just used with sound effects and green light, and it was probably most people's favorite part of the show that I talked to. That's
1: awesome. You know, it's
2: it's it's the idea that, you know, people I think
1: are scared away from this genre way too easily. Um and it's what people wanna see and it's something that really can bring back the excitement to live theater. Um, That we, we're, you know, we're not doing this just because, um, you know, just because we think we're cool or we we think we're so smart. We're doing it because this is the stuff that we love. Of course. You know, we love science fiction and fantasy and all of us in the company have such a personal connection to that genre. Mm -hmm. So why are we going to sit back and say, well, I guess it's just too hard. Sure. Of course. Um, It's not. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I I think that's awesome and I think it's absolutely uh like I'm glad it became a part of this conversation is like um when something when you aren't necessarily trying to cater something to an audience and more trying to just make something that you know you'd like, the passion for that totally comes through and, and I'm sure that's the case here. Um I wanna do something uh, that I'm borrowing from another podcast, uh, Douglas Movies, with Doug Benson as the host. He um, will choose a like actor or director, and make everyone go around the circle and say uh, a movie that they. He calls it love, love or love like, hate, hate like. <laughs> So, okay, so you're, like, on board already. Okay, so I want you to name first a Shakespeare play that you love, then one that you like, then one that you hate, (laughs) and then one that you kind of hate that you like. (laughs) Um, And I'll give everyone time to think on it, and we'll go around and do the ones that we love and kind of tackle those first, because I think that might be one of the easier ones. Um, But the the hate, like, the best, like, uh, help I can give is, like, it's like kind of a Shakespeare guilty pleasure. <laughs> hmm. And I know we've already talked about a lot of these things, um, so I I will st- I um I love King Lear. I think that's what I have to go with uh, for for aforementioned reasons. <laughs>
2: So, just so we're there. all gonna do love first. Yeah, like we'll all go around it. and do love first. Because yeah, I'm bad with lists. In yeah, my head. we'll
0: all go around and do love first.
2: All right, so I'll go. Um, I love Julius Caesar.
0: Ooh, good choice.
1: Uh, I love Macbeth. Also a good choice.
3: I love Romeo and Juliet. I have a very personal connection with the role of Juliet.
1: Nope. Uh,
0: what's the best? Have you like? Can you guys each also tell like a little personal uh, like? either a show, a production of it that you saw, or, like, a thing that you remember about your introduction to it?
2: I had to, where uh, I performed in Julius Caesar as an eighth grader for all of the high schoolers in my school. <laughs> and it was, like, it was the Mark Antony. Um, uh, like, friends, Rose Caesar's special. an honorable man, or yeah. uh, Brutus is an honorable man. And, um... Uh, It was, like, there was a big bloody stabbing, like, during this scene. A bunch of, like, eighth graders with all this corn syrup, like, you know, on stage. And all these high schoolers like, what's this? What the fuck's this? (laughs) And I'm like, I'm doing theater.
0: (laughs) That's great. That's exactly what I was looking for.
1: Um, I I really studied Macbeth uh, in depth for the first time in 10th grade in my honors English class. Um, And we, uh, first of all, I really... uh, have a love-hate relationship with politics. Mm. Um, and Macbeth is, like, a very political, you know, sure. Shakespeare show. Sure, and it's also, like, look, corruption. Yeah, and... yeah, absolutely. It's all it's all of it. So I, I love that stuff in general, but we did, um, in part of our study, we had to make, uh, like, a short film, like, adaptation of, you know, of a part, like, one scene, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, I was into making movies and that kind of stuff with all my friends already, so we literally did the entire... Play in film version. Awesome. That shortened it. It was yeah. not very long, um, and we set it in like modern day corporate world. Love it. Um, and we called it Mister Macbeth. Love um, it. So I just have a special. Pl- I really. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I have a special place in my heart for that.
0: Perfect.
3: Thank you. Um, I have been fortunate enough to play the role of Juliet uh, in high school. College and grad school whoa All very different experiences whoa so yeah i really care about her um and in grad school i got to um play her at the globe theater um holy shit yeah it was like the best experience of my life like, that's insane i'm good now i can die it was yeah. insane um but yeah, i just <laughs> i love her i think that she just has so much passion and she's ahead of her time and so much sexuality and makes her own decisions i just think she's fantastic very cool uh
0: i won't make you do that for all of them but i thought it would be good for the the one that you love uh (laughs) all right what's one that you just like um i guess i should start huh uh i like twelfth night i've seen it i saw this really cool production i just said you don't have to elaborate but i do (laughs) i am going to elaborate but you don't have to I saw a really cool production while I was in Stratford that was just, like, seven actors, and they basically turned it into kind of, like, a rock opera. Like, that's the best way I know how to describe it, is, like, they would do actual scenes, and then when they would get to, like, the things that were supposed to be poems or songs, they would do, like, pull out, like, a full band with, like, guitars and drums and just, like, fucking rock. And then at some point they... uh like for a few different things they asked for audience volunteers uh but they did so like within world like you sir and things like that um and i got to do this thing where i wore a um, uh, the like fuzzy side of velcro like hat and uh, stand on stage, and like while people threw soft like velcro balls that stuck oh. to a head, and like I caught a couple, and the audience just like went insane, and it was all just really cool, weird things like that that like kind of had something to do with the show, but kind of didn't, and it was just like made me view it in this totally different way than I had before, but what's one that you just
2: like Elliot i mean i I'm kind of with you there on twelfth Night, I actually maybe like. Twelfth Night more than just like I it's one of my favorite comedies. It yeah, but um, I think Tempest is probably just like I just like like, and I, I like it because it's not you know it's not like the most mind blowing story in the world, but like it's it's cool and there's a lot of you know a lot of different ways to do it and a lot mm-hmm. of you know I still anytime in. you see the Tempest is usually pretty entertaining.
0: Love it.
1: I uh, I have to jump on the Twelfth Night wagon as a play that I like, (laughs) Um, but I'm not going to use that one. But like I think Twelfth Night, Twelfth Light, Twelfth Night Much Ado and Midsummer are all plays that I like.
0: I almost said Midsummer,
1: and uh, but I'm going to say Othello for mine um, because I I, it's not I don't think the best uh, structurally Mm -hmm. uh, Shakespeare show, but I love the fact that he was talking about racism.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Which is
1: like, it's just a great example. I think of what, um, what he was able to do, um, and in how the early he was he able lived. to do it. Yeah. Um, and I think ultimately it is a pretty solid, uh, play in general. Um, and also if anyone wasn't aware, Patrick Stewart once played Othello, and the entire cast was black and he except for him, which some people were like, hmm, maybe that's not the right message we want to send. But still, Patrick Stewart and it was probably awesome. And I wish I had seen it. Wow.
0: That's really interesting. Yeah. And right? also we have another like modern interpretation movie that is like actually pretty serviceable. Yeah. Are you talking about O? I am talking about O.
2: I've always been straight
0: with you, O.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so i can't tell if that means that
2: the you lovely disagree julia that it's, Stiles. i uh,
0: say dis- elliot's
3: patent julia styles impression
0: <laughs> um mindy, mindy kaling has this great bit that i've heard her do at stand-up from like way before she was uh, you know a semi-household name um where she <laughs> says like this is my i'm not very good at impressions but i do one where um Scarlett Johansson and Julia Stiles are reading sides for an audition that they have together. <laughs> and the whole impression is just Julia, I really don't think I'm going to be able to get this role. <laughs> Come on, Scarlett. We have to do this together. And it's like, it's such a stupid bit, but it worked here, too. So, uh, yeah, it's. Hilarious. Uh, look it up. Look it
3: up. Well, I was going to say 12th night too. Hilarious. But, <laughs> but um I I'm going to change it just to switch it up a bit. Um I really like Antony and Cleopatra. Ooh. Good um for you. yeah. <laughs> Good for you. For obvious reasons? But um <laughs> I just I have always liked it and nobody does it and I wish that more people would.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've even I can't even remember a time when I've seen like a production
3: poster up for Antony Yeah, when I was the reason why I I like it is when I was in um in England, I saw a production in Liverpool where um Oh, God, her name's escaping me. Um, Samantha from uh, Sex and the City. Uh, what's her name? Kim, Kim Cattrall. Cattrall. Kim Cattrall was playing Cleopatra, and good God, she was fucking fantastic. Really? She's British. Really? Yeah, yeah. she's British.
2: She's also in the um, hit uh, 1980s film Mannequin with Andrew McCarthy. Oh, yes, that's <laughs> Where she right. plays a mannequin in a department store that comes to life at night. Yes. Before today's special. Which was a show on Nickelodeon. She also <laughs> plays Lieutenant Valeris in Star Trek Six. The Undiscovered conflict. That's why you knew right away. <laughs> he was like Kim Cattrall. I, I have no excuse for being able to jump in there that quick with Kim Cattrall.
3: That's
0: so <laughs> funny. All right. Um, do you want to do hates first or hate likes first? doesn't matter. Let's do hates. I know who Elliot hates. Uh-huh. Or what Elliot hates. I can't even think of one that I really hate. Uh... Um, so I may have to let it come back to me. Um, but if
2: anyone wants to jump in, feel free. I'll jump in. I got two. Uh I hate midsummer and (laughs) I hate and I hate two gents. Those are oh. my two most hated. I just, I don't, I don't find them funny. I what don't about that them. cool
3: part where Julia makes the two papers kiss each other? And in it's fairness, funny. it's not, it's,
2: it's not Midsummer's fault. It's just <laughs> that it's so often done and it's yeah. so often done poorly. Oh, and it's yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. That's
0: totally fair. And
2: it's just, I, I, I've yet, I've, I've yet to see a performance even by the elite that I, where I gave a shit. Like, yeah. I just don't care. Like I don't care, and so I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's out there. I'm sure everybody loves it. It's it's like the Beatles for me. It's <laughs> I like the Beatles. It's all right. Right, but sure. I'm a Stones guy. So there you go.
1: Is it too much of a cop out just to say comedy of errors? <laughs>
2: I was gonna say uh,
1: Mary Kate mentioned it earlier. I don't think it is. Uh, yeah. I
0: just loves labor love. laws. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah, know if there's even much I have came to, to mind say for me. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Elliot that was, was a terrible. One loves labor's Laws. Yeah. yeah, and I saw that. In sh- I, David Tennant did that at the same time he was doing Hamlet, like they did it in rep, and we saw it, and it was still just like uninteresting. Yeah. <laughs> so I probably would have to go with that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's renowned as his worst. If ever. I if I saw like one of you know the most renowned British actors of right now. um, in it and like one of the things i loved about his hamlet was how funny it was and i still was kind of like meh (laughs) Mm. that's probably that's probably a good i I had a
2: monologue from that once that i was using and then at some point i was just like why am i using a monologue from the worst shakespeare (laughs) play maybe that's why it's not going over (laughs) mary kate um mine is
3: definitely comedy of errors i freaking hate that play um (laughs) It just—it just bothers me when like a twin comes on stage and is like, "I'm a twin." Why is someone confusing me with someone else in this town? I'm like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Um, Also, I I was in a really questionable production of it at one point in my life, and I think it just kind of like tainted my whole view of that play. Like, maybe I just need to be in a different production where it's awesome or something. Yeah.
0: I definitely think that Shakespeare is one of those things where if you have a bad experience, it just stays I mean, with it you. colored
3: the whole thing. There's uh, just so many problems with that production. And well, hey,
1: that's one of the problems with young people in Shakespeare is that they're exposed to shitty versions. Yep. Yes. That's and then they just hate it. And that's, that's kind of what we were talking about before.
2: I was like a grown woman when Because they don't understand it. Okay. Well, <laughs> because if it's not done right, you right. can't understand it. Yeah. And, and you it's like don't understand what what the draw no, is and you certainly don't get humor like yeah. that's a big problem and with kids a lot of have a lot of the humor dick and fart jokes i mean like you know i mean for black better world but like you know yeah. you can't you gotta be careful with that stuff too like, sure. you know,
3: well you certainly can't really do much to do if you do it right with a bunch of kids exactly yeah. but they do right. and
2: then they just miss all the jokes and the kids are they like what are they what talking about especially yeah. dog
3: brain Burgess. you're like what are they because they're using a bunch of you know anachronistic phrasing from back when it was written yeah. mm-hmm. that doesn't read now. I
0: True. mean, there's even there's a reason that like foreign that humor doesn't necessarily always like or at least word-based humor doesn't necessarily translate across like uh language barriers mm-hmm. cuz so much of it is wordplay based and you can absolutely say the same thing here. Honestly, while, while we were talking, I think my hate that I like it is Midsummer Night's Dream. Like, I I really like Midsummer Night's Dream, but I totally can see, like, I saw it twice. Like, I saw two different productions of it when I was in England. Like,
3: like, like really- when were you there?
0: Like, 08? Oh,
3: Okay, and one was at the Globe, and did you see it at Stratford? Yes. And Stratford, Hippolyta and Theseus had like a sword fight. At the yes. We saw the same shows. So. That is
0: outrageous. That is outrageous. <laughs> wait, which one did
3: you prefer? Uh, I I I liked more about
0: the Globe production better. Honestly, really? yeah. Like I saw that one first, so I don't know what the order you saw it in was. so i think i just liked so much about the globe production more than i expected to Mm -hmm. um and so then i went to stratford and it was also the either the third or fourth play that we saw there so i had already seen hamlet and love's labors and i and some and the 12th night that i just talked about so by the time we got to midsummer i we were just all kind of like entrenched <laughs> and like we'd already seen these i i mean that's invariably that hamlet is like the best live shakespeare i've ever seen so i think at that point my it just had so much more to overcome yeah. so i will definitely say that that's part of it sure um but it was i still loved both of them like yeah. <laughs> even though <laughs> did you guys
2: just become best friends <laughs> yeah. i think that happened the quick first what's time your favorite around. dinosaur <laughs> Velociraptor, uh. <laughs> Um What did you think I was going to say for most hated? Midsummer. Oh yeah, yeah. But
3: little do you know that I'm actually creating an adaptation, and you're already in it. So suck it up. <laughs> no, I'll do it. I'll do it. I, was, I'm <laughs> well, not, you're I'm, not I wasn't. You're not just playing Demetrius, of Demetrius of Japan, in it. you're also playing the prince from uh, the Myrtle Tree story so hey, don't, so don't worry about it. Don't go away too much, Mary
0: I was going to say, uh, say Claudius translates pretty easily to a Demetrius.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. What are we? We on, Like, hate Yeah. Yeah.
0: You hate that you like it.
2: I hate that I like it. I, I would say Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. I, I really like it. And the only reason I say hate is just because it's so cliche that, you know, that's, well, it's your favorite, you know, Shakespeare play. Yeah. Well, it's the most famous Shakespeare play. So that's the only reason I like it. Sure. But I really love it. I really love a lot of the characters in it. Um, and I, I mean, I think it gets a bad rap because it's just so freaking famous, but it's famous for a reason. It's really fucking good.
3: Sure. I love thinking about what the audience of Romeo and Juliet must have felt like when they both kill themselves.
2: Yeah. Like right. not knowing the story. Right. Yeah. You imagine? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's and like then like when Gwyneth what... Paltrow wakes up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk to me about that. I hate that hideous blonde mustache she wears. It's so creepy.
0: It is bad. She does look bad. Mr. Kent. <laughs> um, I, uh, oh no keep going (laughs) I lost it
1: Um, I definitely agree with Elliot there Uh, I'm going to throw out just to be different uh, Merchant of Venice and the reason I say that I know (laughs) Now now oh. hold on though the uh now it's not necess- it's not a, it's not an anti-jewish play. I mean but Jessica
3: it, they take her away from her jewish?
1: Family? I know I know but um, but you it's not. but but you feel but you but you feel bad for you know what I mean like you're not supposed yeah. to like that but then here's the reason that I that I hate that as I really like parts of it and mm-hmm. I think I think several parts of the play are really um first of all uh Prophetic for you know our time, but also I, I mean I, I do hate that at the end it becomes a comedy. Yeah. And I just, there's so many tonal issues it with that sells play it out. Yeah. that I don't like admitting that I like so many. Parts I remember of it.
0: starting to read Merchant of Venice and being like, "Isn't this supposed to be one of the comedies?"
3: <laughs> like, well, it, like
1: it is, and it is, isn't. and really, and and sometimes, um, sometimes they just. Uh, when they do productions people cut the last act.
2: Oh. Um, that's
1: crazy. Because it just really doesn't make a lot of sense. I yeah. mean, which I don't necessarily disagree with doing because yeah. it ends on this very somber sad note. Uh-huh. Um but uh I don't know. I, if I had more time to think I might choose something else, but that's
3: yeah, I actually thought kind of, was... of part of the fun of it. Yeah. Is... I, I saw this really cool production of Merchant of Venice at First Folio a couple of years ago. And at the end, Jessica, well, the show ends and then you see her still keeping her um, Jewish rituals mm. in secret. That's so she's, cool. been oh, the way she's been married. But yeah, at the end, there's this beautiful scene where she takes off her hood. And there's that like is handle, really cool. I was like, oh, good.
1: Isn't that know, also, I, I may be making this up, but isn't that where the name Jessica originated from?
2: I actually don't know. I feel like that's. I feel like the I've heard that thing. before too.
1: I think that that didn't exist as a name before that play.
0: I think I remember hearing that too. Is that it's among those like words and things that uh, he's attributed to coining? Yeah. Yeah,
3: that's cool. Um, my love hate is probably Macbeth. Um, I don't know why it's a hate. I just feel like everybody kind of does it, mm-hmm. and yeah, I always kind of enjoy it whenever I see it, and. I'm always really sad when Lady MacDuff and her kids get murdered. Um, sad part, sad part. Sad, sad stuff. Tough stuff, <laughs> tough stuff. Um, tough stuff. I don't know why it's a like-hate, though, really.
0: Yeah. I, I remembered what I was going to say about um, Romeo and Juliet as like trying to think about seeing something even though you like when you didn't know exactly what was going to happen because it immediately became this huge part of the zeitgeist is like, what did people think when Darth Vader was like, no, I'm your father. Like that is insane. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: That is real. Yeah. That's re- <laughs>
0: like in the theater. Like that yeah. would be
1: mind blowing. I almost feel like we were all born just a little bit too late. And now those moments, there's none of those moments left for us. Like yeah. we're never going
2: to be, yeah. you know, oh, Oh, like, I, but but I think one of the things I've noticed in our show is that we have a lot of moments like that where people who, I mean, this is not, this show has been being done for <laughs> half a millennia. Right. But there are moments where people go, oh, no. For and sure. I'm like, what? Like, and it's just I, crazy. Yeah. You feel like you're in, you know, performing for Groundlings. Like, it's like, yeah. wow, this is the first time they've seen this show. Like, it's. it's and
0: I was going to say something similar. Uh, and. Because I was talking to someone who was in college, uh, like with a film major and, uh, I didn't know him at all and I can't remember what, oh, uh, someone in the like circle of people brought up the movie Prestige and I was like, oh, the Prestige kind of got like ruined for me because there's this big twist and I already knew what it was and, uh, at, because I was in a class uh, in college about doubles in film literature and culture. And so someone came into class like, oh my God, I just did this great movie, The Prestige. And they proceeded to like tell everyone in the class like mm. what had happened. And so I was like, yeah, it'd be like going into The Sixth Sense and not knowing that Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. Like, Spoiler alert. Wait, what? Yeah, but <laughs> this guy that I was talking to did that. He was like, I didn't know what are you talking about? And I was like, What? Yeah, You can't possibly not know that. There's a statute of limitations. Yeah. And he like was after like, a certain point. But like, he you- was like, Well, it was a little before my time because he was like nineteen. Yeah. And I was I- like, Oh God. So like maybe you're right, Dylan, that like our generation doesn't have that many things left, but I think there's still enough going Yeah, around. I think there is. This
1: is one of those things where I'm like, man, like those moments, uh, like how often do between. they come, yeah. you know? And like that's one that we like you And know. I
0: think we still cling to like think times when that happens in like modern media. You know what I mean? Like not necessarily a big twist, but uh those like wow moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really cool that you are getting to do that
1: for of all of all shows.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- th- I've never I haven't been in a show in a while where there were like there was this much. And I think it is that we bring in the audience a little bit and we talk to them directly. They feel more comfortable saying stuff, but that's what that's what makes it makes it feel like we're, you know, performing in like like a groundlings like atmosphere. Well, that's
3: really all I think Shakespeare performing requires is to break the fourth wall. No. If you're making the argument and you're talking directly to the audience and they're a character in your show in your play, then you're doing it right. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's a, it's a purposefully presentational yeah. uh, genre of theater. Cool. Um, last question. Um, first of all, uh, if there's anything you would feel remiss that to not be a part of this conversation that we haven't talked about, please uh, fill it in here, whether it's um, anything about... Um, the production you guys are working on or the company or just Shakespeare in general or any other play that you feel like you would be be remiss if you had come and gotten this opportunity and then not said anything about it uh, please chime that in at any point but the last question I'll give you is uh, how do you feel like your love of Shakespeare has influenced you both creatively and your life in general
1: it's hmm, not a loaded question
2: <laughs>
1: yeah I mean this
0: was this was <laughs> like,
2: so, yeah. <laughs> oh so I start I, I think we should do that because I'm going to need to think about that okay. for a
0: and if you just want to speak to one or the other and don't really feel like you can speak to both that's okay like any anything that you can cite like this is how this has affected me is really interesting I think
3: well, I mean, Shakespeare's affected me in a lot of ways. It's a big reason why I wanted to become an actress. Um, a big reason why I chose to go study in the UK. Um, a big reason why I moved to Chicago to perform. A big reason, you know, why I've accepted certain roles that I've accepted. I just think that Shakespeare is truly timeless. And I love the idea that we, we actually do bring the audience into the story with us. Cool. I think that more theater needs to be like that. Like a non-realism... Um, making the people attending the show feel like they are breathing the same air as, as you as an actor. That's why people are so distraught when Romeo and Juliet off themselves. It's because, like, they've shared their passion with you. You know, that's why we, you know, when Olivia says to Cesario, tell, what do you think of me? pretty? tell me what you think of me. We've been there when we've, like, we're our last wits with somebody that we love that doesn't love us back, and we're like, but wait. Why, why am I not good enough for you? Um, so, I think that there's like so many modern concepts in Shakespeare, we just need to find them. Um, one of the lines I always think about in Much Ado or Messina 3004 is when the friar is talking about how they're going to trick Claudio into thinking Hero's dead. And he says, We'll tell her that she's dead and the idea of her life will bring him back into remorse. Wow. And we fall for the idea of somebody, not Absolutely. their true self, constantly.
0: Especially in a modern world yes. where you can know someone through a social media platform in a way that you don't know them as a human being. Mm-hmm uh or maybe you do know them as a human being and that still influences the way that you view them and i think that is absolutely speaks to knowing the idea of someone
3: yeah it's not she's not going to bring him back but the idea of her and perfection is what will bring him back I, wow. and i think about the friar to enroll me in juliet sorry i'm going on and on he says um count your freaking blessings you live there out there there art thou happy juliet is alive there art thou happy Mm. Like I think that that's you know we struggle so much with like depression and anxiety, but we don't think like wait, there's these wonderful things around me. I should be happy.
2: Yeah,
0: and there's so much like in a in a relationship or in a creative uh, world where you're always thinking about the next thing mm-hmm. and not giving yourself the this thing. Yeah.
1: Um. To start off on a a. Uh, uh, less deep uh, route and a little bit more technical just as an actor. That's okay. Um, uh, it still answers n- the question. I'm not going to be able to follow that one up uh, <laughs> emotionally. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, think... I don't
0: think very many of us have ever played the same role three times, let alone the, quite the <laughs> way that of... Mary-Kate has. So
1: <laughs> I don't think any of us uh, are Mary-Kate.
0: So.
2: <laughs> 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 um, but... <laughs>
1: Um, and I, I mean that affectionately.
3: I know we're you're, still friends. You're such an we're interesting person <laughs>
1: in our lives in a great way. Um, what I'm being serious. Um, I knew you were. As an actor, I think training and working on Shakespeare is so beneficial mm-hmm. because it really teaches you about specificity mm-hmm. and making choices. And I, f- you know, that's one of those things that, it, like, if you don't know how to do that if you don't understand the importance of being specific and making big choices then you're not going to succeed as an actor Mm -hmm. and that's something that really i think taught me even when i didn't even realize it early on how important that was um and i don't think there's a genre that is like a training ground for that and that's a really good point shakespeare um i will say that i i agree with everything mary kate said that everything is so prophetic and um, not everything, but a lot of things are really prophetic um and the things that Shakespeare says about human emotion and relationships and the you know the battle of the sexes and all of these things mm-hmm. that you know we're still trying to figure out today absolutely um, so that's I think um just you know if you need. If you need to, I don't know who said, if you need to learn something about humanity, just watch Shakespeare and <laughs> you'll learn all their, all you need to know. And I something someone else said that if you ever needed to explain humans to aliens, give them Shakespeare. And yeah. That, and that is, you know, that's basically what we are.
2: Yeah.
0: There's definitely uh, something to be said for how, like literally timeless
1: you know it's <laughs> uh, amazing of it i mean it, it makes me feel like some of those like conspiracies about was he one man right was he many people right or, you know like it makes me feel like he wasn't but it doesn't matter
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm in agreement with you <laughs> i
1: mean you know it's just one of those things like you know the amount i mean of course there are some also bad shakespeare plays so we
2: shouldn't say that everything is great but you know the point is there sure um you know it's it's not too different from what dylan said uh shakespeare is what taught me how to work as an actor uh when i the, you know the first shakespeare i ever prepared was like the hardest thing i'd ever done like i mean before that it was showing up and making people laugh and like i remember just locking myself in my room and just reading over things over and over and over again trying to understand them and you know and and researching stuff and then and figuring out what this character was saying and then falling in love with what this character was saying and um, and just how powerful words are. And that has transferred to every type of acting I've done since. You know, the, the the words you're saying are there for a reason, and they are so important. And which words carry weight and which ones don't? You know, which ones can you leave behind and which are the ones that you really have to stress? And that is universal in all acting. And it, the, the best example of it is in Shakespeare.
0: That's a really great point, and I think it, there's also something to be said for, like, taking that for granted when you understand, on a surface level, the line immediately w- when you read it, you know what I mean? Uh, and then taking that farther uh, is something that I think Shakespeare it was really important for me to learn, too, even just, like, in reading texts, you know, like, okay, I think I know what this is saying, and then, you know... Um, tackling it in a way that you're like, oh, so nothing that we read is really just the words that, w- that are being said, right? Um, well, that's great. Thank you guys so much for doing this. Um, I really appreciate it. I w- would love if anyone listening, thanks to the show, Sounds Interesting, which I certainly do, to go check that out. How much uh, This will be released um, Wednesday, so you'll have...
1: Uh, all of the dates after that are up for grabs.
0: Just yeah.
2: real quick, Dylan, did you want to say anything about Juggernaut?
1: Yeah, we will. Um, and I can bring this into this, too. So, uh, Much Ado, or Messina 3004, um, is running every Thursday through Sunday for the rest of February. Cool. Um, so, there'll be three weekends of it um, by the time this comes out. Um, tickets are $20. Um, rumor has it there's some discounts on Gold Star, but I cannot verify that. <laughs> <laughs> um so uh 7 p.m um thursday friday saturday 4 p.m matinee on uh, sundays at mary's attic in andersonville above hamburger mary's um juggernaut film festival this is going to be our fourth right our fourth annual yeah one two three four yeah our fourth annual juggernaut film festival which is um science fiction and fantasy short plays uh short plays short films um that's april 9th at the music box oh cool um and it's going to be uh we're we're going a little further with it this year in the past it's been a couple of hours of just films that we found we're taking official submissions this year we're up to over 40 i think submissions um which has been great um we're going to have um rumor has it we're going to have a celebrity guest um I'm, Is it you, Dylan? It's not me. It's not me. I wish I was a celebrity guest. I, I wish I would that's I wish I was just a celebrity guest, not a celebrity per se, but just a yeah. just a person who was a celebrity at guesting True. on things. Um <laughs> Uh, and, uh, there'll be like official selection, like prizes, all those kinds of things for best sci-fi, best fan. So it's kind of a whole new thing. Um, so that's being headed up by Tiffany, our artistic director and co-chaired this year by Mindy Faye Parks, who's in Messina 3004. Right. Um, and, uh, she's doing a great job too. So definitely if you want to see a bunch of awesome independent sci-fi fantasy short films, April 9th, at the music box, and then Elliot, do you want to talk about your, baby that's coming up in sure the fall. let me
2: chime in real quick about juggernaut i don't have it's one of the other world things that i don't have as much to do with um but every time i've been the films are incredible cool. like these are not you know these student films that have been just pieced together these are amazing films from across the globe and, and the quality so different styles it's unbelievable too. that's Animation, awesome. like you know stuff that's accomplished with you know I, it, it's incredible. Really, really incredible films. So if you're a science fiction and fantasy fan, you should go see this. So
0: it's like you're uh, a little
2: more unbiased uh, <laughs> support of the Juggernaut Festival. Yeah. And then uh, my the my baby is our Paragon uh, Short Play Festival. It's the largest science fiction and fantasy play festival in the world. You can it's, fact
1: check him on that.
2: You can. You can. It's a, it's it's pro, It's It's proven proven i'm the literary manager so i'm good with words (laughs) um but no it it is 40 plays in two days it's going to be at the public house theater in september uh we are taking submissions right now you can go to otherworldtheater.org and we have a um a button tab on our site for submissions this will go right to my inbox and i will read your play and uh last year we had over 300 submissions Um, he
1: read all 300 of them folks
2: And I narrowed them down to 40. Wow. So that will be what I'm doing in my. From now until that happens. (laughs) For the next (laughs) three or four months.
0: Very, very cool. Thank you guys so much again for coming to do this. Uh, I wish you the best of luck with the rest of Messina 3004. And uh, go home and don't watch. (laughs) the Super Bowl <laughs> alright
3: we'll we won't <laughs> love you guys thank love you thank guys. you so much <laughs> thank you really us. appreciate it
0: of course love you guys